Let's turn to Daniel uh, chapter 10. One of these days we might get through Daniel. I don't know. Such a good book. Daniel certainly was a visionary, wasn't he? And when uh, God showed him something, he wrote it down. That's, I mean, that's a great thing for us. When God showed him something, he, he put it in print where we could benefit from it, where all people could benefit from it. Uh, I hesitate to read all the way uh, through chapter 10. It's a long chapter, but we'll, we'll start with this vision in uh, the beginning of chapter 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. Now, that's a, that's a mouthful. <laughs> but keep in mind, he was in captivity, so they renamed him. They didn't want to use that Hebrew name. The message was true and was about a great conflict. He understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three full weeks. I didn't eat any rich food, no meat or wine entered my mouth, and I didn't put any oil on my body until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank <coughs> excuse me, of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up. And there was a man dressed in linen with a belt of gold from Euphaz. That's supposed to be a real good gold, pure, clean. The belt was around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like the brilliance of lightning, his eyes like flashing torches, his arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words, like the sound of a multitude. That'd be enough for me to faint dead away just to see that. I don't know about y'all. Only I, Daniel, saw the vision. The men who were with me did not see it, but a great terror fell on them, and they ran and hid. I was left alone looking at this great vision. No strength was left in me, my face grew deathly pale, and I was powerless. I heard the words he said, and when I heard them, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for your power and your presence. God, and uh, your word that you, on occasion, directly gave this way to your servants. Lord, we thank you for their faithfulness to write it down that we might be able to share it. As we look at the words of Daniel today, God, uh, may our eyes be open and our heart to your message. God, we know that uh, you have chosen in your infinite wisdom to speak to us through this word that we hold and we call our Bible. God, we thank you for this document, the power 
that it contains through your word. God, to give us a heart and a mind open to understand what you would have to say to us today. We are your servants. We wish to please you and serve you. God, uh, lead us to that end uh, today in our study. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I can't imagine what it was like to be an Old Testament saint and a New Testament saint during the life of Jesus. Here was the direct intercession in the life of a person uh, just to communicate with them face-to-face, if you will. And uh, what, a, what a challenge to, uh, I mean, we, we would probably be, I know I, I probably would be like the saints if, if uh, God appeared to me in my face in the form of an angel or Jesus came, I'd just fall dead away. He'd had to wait till I woke up before he said anything to me because it wouldn't do any good. Uh, we, uh, we folks are not, in today's world especially, I don't think even the church is prepared uh, for that kind of uh, meeting with human, with the, with the, you know, with the Lord. Uh, I hear these uh, preachers uh, on the television and places like that to talk about having these face-to-face confrontations with God and God telling them that, 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 that. You know, and uh, I'm thinking, I just, <laughs> I really would like to have been there to see <laughs> the experience between God and man today physically take place. I'm not saying that it doesn't, but folks, spiritual confrontation is enough for me. When I open this book, this is as close to the physical power and presence of God that I'm going to get in this life, I know. God reveals himself completely in here. If we have sense enough to pay attention and we have enough gumption to get in it and stay there, we think that uh, our little daily devotional sometimes printed in our little magazines that we get from the Sunday school board, that's enough for us. Folks, that's not enough. This is something we need to devour. This is the word of God and we need to take it uh, into our lives, into our hearts, and we need to apply it and use it. And uh, we, we don't have this direct confrontation anymore. Uh, I, at least uh, <laughs> I haven't. I don't know if any of y'all have. Hold your hand up and I'll let y'all get up here and talk. I'm, I don't need to. If uh, you have talked about having this kind of, a, if you have had this kind of experience. Uh, in uh, Daniel 10, uh, we know that uh, Daniel has already had three visions. Uh, those visions, if you want to go back and look, are uh, in chapters uh, 2 and 7 and 8. And he also had a confrontation with Gabriel in chapter 9, so I don't know whether you count that or not. But uh, uh, Daniel, <laughs> Daniel was a curious fellow who sought knowledge, and he wanted to know more than what he had learned in these visions. Uh, so he continued to pray uh, about these uh, visions and the, the future of his people. Now, 
the practicality of that in our church today is as a church, we ought to be more concerned with what's going to happen to the people of the world. And I'm not just talking about generally the people of the world, but we have friends and relatives that we ought to be concerned about. What in the world is going to happen to them? Reading this word in this text, how is God going to deal with them? And we ought, ought not to be too bashful to tell them uh, and testify about God. Uh, in, in his prayer, uh, verses 5 and 6 in chapter 10 tell us that Daniel entered into the presence of God. Uh, in his presence, he grew weak and powerless. Look at verses 7 and nine, seven through 9, and you'll, you'll see what we're talking about. Um, let me get to him. Only I, Daniel, saw the vision. The men who were with me did not see it, but a great terror fell on them, <laughs> and they ran and hid. <laughs> now, they, they couldn't see, but they felt this awesome power and presence, and it scared them to death. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. We so flippantly in our churches and our lives today approach the throne of God. And we ought not to do that. I mean, we don't go to God and call Him Daddy. I've heard people refer to Daddy in a prayer. Look, He's our Father. Now, Daddy's got a little different connotation the way we use it today. Uh, I understand about all of that, but I, I'm going to tell you, we don't need to flippantly approach the throne of God. We need to go in reverence, and uh, like Daniel did. Uh, and he said the, the people that were with him, they didn't, they didn't experience God like he did, but they experienced his power, and what did they do? They ran away and hid. They were scared to death. Folks, that's what's the matter with us in the world today. We don't have any respect for who God is and how powerful He is. And when we come into His presence, church, otherwise in our daily living or anything, when we realize that we're in the presence of God, we ought to act like it. It ought to scare us to death. When we do things that we ought not to do, we know are not biblical and not of God. It ought to trouble us and bother us in our souls. Something ought to change. Anyway, let me get off of that little rabbit. That was a good one. Daniel said he was left alone looking at this great vision. No strength was left in me. My face grew deathly pale and I was powerless. I heard the words he said and when I heard them, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Smooth, passed out. Now, I want to tell you what, <laughs> if you and I were to get face to face with our God, just to look upon his glory would be enough to faint dead away. Just hope he catches me and I don't bust my nose, because that's going to be the first thing that hits the ground. It's so big. He looked down when I said that. Did you see him? About the nose hitting the ground first. That's a kindred spirit right here. <laughs> <laughs> it gets in the way a lot of a lot of things. But I, and I'm going to I don't know if anybody else had this experience or not, but when I was playing football and a, and a younger man, 
when I, they gave me a helmet, you know, and uh, I was expected to wear it, of course, and uh, that nose was the one that caught the brunt even with a helmet on. Why? Because that helmet come, the, the front of that helmet would come down across my nose, and it stayed bloody all the time and busted up. Not because of the, that thing they call a nose guard, that's not a nose guard, that's to keep your teeth in your mouth. They could care less about your nose. That rabbit's gone. The point is, we'd mess ourselves up physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually if we did not have this kind of respect for our Lord and our God. That's what's the matter with our church today. Not just this church, but churches. People don't have the respect and the admiration for God that they ought to have as his children. And that'll narrow the field down a lot to say as his children. Because we've got a lot of churches that are not made up of his children. They're just made up of people. I heard, verse 9 says, I heard the words, he said, and when I heard them, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Suddenly a hand touched me and raised me to my hands and knees. He said to me, Daniel, you are a man treasured by God. Understand the words that I'm saying to you. Stand on your feet, for I have now been sent to you. After he said this to me, I stood trembling. <laughs> God sent an angel. <laughs> Tapped old Daniel on his head or on his back. I mean, he's laying smooth on the ground. <laughs> get up, boy. He managed to get up on his knees. I imagine he looked up and he saw this angel. I expect I wanted to lay back down. He said, now, come on, get up. I got news. Well, we don't think that people are confronted that way anymore. People, let me tell you something. We're confronted that way every day if we'll just pick this book up, open it, and read it. God confronts us every time we look at this word. Every time we come to a church service, every time we pray, we have a personal experience with the Lord. And we ought not to be afraid of doing it. We ought to look forward to it. When we have close kin and close relatives that we love dearly, we can't wait to see them again when we're away from them for a while. Look, we don't have to be away from God and we ought to love dearly to see Him every day, to converse with Him every day, for Him to guide us every day, for us to do what He says every day. After all, he's a pretty good parent. Verse 10 says, Suddenly a hand touched me and raised me to my hands and knees. He said to me, Daniel, you are a man treasured by God. Understand the words that I'm saying to you. Stand on your feet, for I have, I have now been sent to you. After he said this to me, I stood trembling. <laughs> Don't you imagine <laughs> If an angel of God was standing before you and said, get up, boy. Get up, girl. 
I got to tell you something pretty important. came from God. <laughs> you reckon your knees could hold you? <laughs> you might can make some good jello. I don't know. <laughs> oh, don't be afraid. Huh? What else do you want? Don't be afraid. I'm standing here talking to an angel of the Lord, a messenger from God. Don't be afraid. What does he imagine he looked like? I mean, sometimes we get pictures of these angels, the little white clad things with little angel wings and little flutter baby looking things. Sometimes we get a picture in the scripture of an angel not wearing wings but having swords and breathing fire. I don't know what this angel looked like as he stood there before Daniel, but he said, don't be afraid. It must have been something. Don't be afraid. From the first day you purposed to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your prayers were heard. Now, look, we have to purpose, purposely approach God on purpose, not because we have to when things go bad. You know, that's a real easy thing to do when things turn upside down in our lives, to approach God and say, oh, Lord, help me. What's the matter with doing that every day? Say, oh, Lord, I thank you for your help. Keep me out of trouble today. I don't know about y'all, but there have been times in my life I needed somebody to help me stay out of trouble. I've come because of your prayers. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. Who's he talking about? Talking about the devil, isn't he? I mean, that's pretty, pretty clear. The prince of the kingdom of Persia. Then Michael, one of the chief princes or angels, came to help me after I had been left there with the kings of Persia. <laughs> I was all alone by myself having to do battle. Well, you know, as we go through our lives daily, we're confronted every day with sin. And we have to make up our mind whether to yield to it or not. It's not, hey, I've, I'm old enough to remember several years ago when uh, the catchphrase was, the devil made me do it. Do you all remember that? Anybody remember that? The devil made you? Let me tell you something. The devil don't make you do nothing. You do it because you want to do it. The devil just kind of urges you a little bit. I'm going to tell you, I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm of that generation. When I got caught doing one of those urge things that the devil told me to do, my mama took care of business. And if she couldn't, daddy could. And I'd a whole lot rather daddy get a hold of them than I had mama. Y'all know what the dance looks like? You remember what the dance looks like? Mama had this hand and a belt in the other one, and we did a jig around and around. <laughs> and I got a lick about every step I took. I was lucky every other one. But I want to tell you something. After just a minute or two, you start begging for <laughs> somebody to turn me loose. <laughs> oh, Mama, when you going to quit? I've had enough. I never said anything like that because I knew it was going to get worse if I did. We get punished in the world as human beings and as adults by God and we don't 
recognize it too many times. We ought to understand that God is going to take care of business. When his children act like heathens in the world, as witnesses to the world, we wouldn't dare go out here. I mean, just, it, just we're so nervous. But so preacher, I just can't do that. I'm just too nervous to tell anybody about Jesus. But you don't mind going out there and doing something that look like a sinful heathen. Well, how many people in our churches today do you know that about? I mean, from deacons on down, let me not leave out preachers. There are those out there that just do not give a good testimony about Jesus, even with their lives. And we expect God to pour out his blessings on us. And what does this say? God sent Michael the archangel. And you know what Michael, Michael did? He grabbed that left hand and he had that paddle in the other hand and they went around and around for a little while. There's no sense in God getting on us that way, folks. We don't have to suffer that kind of punishment for being unruly and ungodly. If we just do what God said do, and keep our noses clean spiritually, God would bless us beyond measure. When he sent an archangel to us, he would bring a basket full of blessings, not paddles. I'd rather have a blessing any day than I had a whooping. I don't, but sometimes we don't seem like that. I mean, we read these words in the scripture. God wants to bless us. He wants us to have the very best. And what do we do? Thumb our nose at him. We're going to do things our way if it hair lips the devil. Sometimes it hair lips Terry. I've been the world's worst about doing what I wanted to do. I'm going to tell you something. It don't work. It don't work. I knew God called me to preach when I was a teenager. Didn't want to. But did. Straight away. <laughs> Came back. Straight away. It took me a long time to get the message that God was serious and I best do what he wanted me to do. Next step in the was killing me. Now I honestly had that impression from God. If I didn't straighten up and do what God wanted me to do, he's going to take me out of here. And I was too chicken to face him, I'll be honest with you. Living in the condition I was in, I didn't want to say it before him. That's bad enough now. Why do you think we bow when we pray? Who's brazen enough to look God in the face when you're about confession? I don't know. Don't be afraid, Daniel. He said to me, for from the first day that you purposed to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your prayers were heard. I have come because of your prayers. Why does God's presence come upon us that we can feel it, almost taste it, because we ask him for that presence? Folks, too many of us, church members alike, 
preachers alike, deacons alike, we go through our lives without asking God to bless us and for direction. We want to live just like the world sometimes, it seems. The prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. <laughs> the devil didn't, didn't want anybody to come and uh, be of service. He still doesn't. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me after I had been left there with the kings of Persia. I, look, I don't know whether you've ever felt like that or not, just that you're in a pit with nothing but devils. And everybody's out to get you and lead you astray and lead you away from God, lead you away from your friends, lead you away from your family. Do everything they can to harm you. Daniel knew what it was like. He said, <laughs> the prince of the kingdom, who was that? Of Persia, the devil. The prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. That's three weeks. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to me after I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to help you understand what will happen to your people in the last days. For the vision refers to those days. I've come to lead you and help you be a witness for me and tell people what they need to hear. That's what God wants of all of us. He wants all of us to tell people about Jesus, doesn't he? Now, if we passed around a piece of paper and had you write down a number and how many people you witnessed to, last week about Jesus and getting saved. Reckon how many we'd have. Very few, maybe. Very few. Whose fault is that? We are guilty of following the leader. Unfortunately, too many times we yield leadership to Satan. Why? It's easier and it's much more fun. God wants us to follow him, yield to him, be the people that he wants to be for him. And look, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. Because I got mirrors in my house too. And I look at them things every time I walk by one. And I've been reminded more than once by the Lord, you're not doing what I want you to do. You need to be more of a witness for me. Sure, I know you preach. I know you study your Bible. I know you do all of that kind of stuff. But your primary goal as one of my children is to tell people about Jesus. Lead them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's our primary function, folks, as a church. Not just to come together and sing and have fellowship and enjoy each other's company. We do that well. Jesus wants us to be witnesses to a lost and dying world. That's why we're here.
we need to listen to God. Verse 9 says in chapter 10, I heard the words he said. And when I heard them, I fell down into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Passed smooth out, considering the words of God. Let's stand, have a word of prayer. We can uh, we can have an invitation after the prayer. Father, we uh, we do thank you for your blessed word. We thank you for being so patient with us giving us opportunity after opportunity, day after day, to be the people you would have us to be. To show the world how much we love you. Too often, God, beginning with me, down through the church road, God, we, we portray something with our lives besides our love for you and your leadership. God, help us and instill in us the desire to be examples for you and the life you want us to live, to be witnesses to others about the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation he, he offers to everyone. Lord, we love you. We thank you for blessing us. We want to have a, a time where we can think and respond to you as you lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's uh, somebody come lead us in a song. Somebody, we're going to have a piano. I'm going to play one. You going to come? You coming? My sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord, and He will surely give you rest by trusting in His Word. Only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Him now. We can't both trust Him with our lives save you. He will save you now. For Jesus shed his precious blood, rich blessings to bestow. Plunge now into the crimson flood that washes white as snow. Only trust him, only trust him, only trust him now. He will save you, he will save you, he will save you now. Yes. Thank you all for being here today. Anybody want to say anything?